How's it going? I'm Josiah. I'm Chanel. And welcome to the Coco and Joe show where we have no idea what we're doing, but we're doing it anyways. <laughs> the Coco and Joe show. All right, Chanel, what are we talking about today? <laughs> yes, I'm excited for today. Today we are talking about... Um, Oh, okay. It's kind of a whole kit and caboodle, but like the whole theme is going to be about thrifting, reselling, repurposing our experience in thrifting. Um, some of the arguments that um, are saying that thrifting is unethical, um, that it is um, not good for um, our community, things like that. So we're going to kind of talk about all of that, but I'm super excited because we don't talk about this very often, except for mm-hmm. like our friends, like they talk about it, but we've never been like, oh, this is something that we did and something that we do. So I'm excited to kind of like give a little bit of a history background, what we've learned, um, what we gained from it. And now, um, now that we're starting to talk about it, starting to talk about more about like what we see as far as the argument that this is wrong. So, but I mean, some people think it's wrong. Yeah. So that's so why I, that's why I threw up the poll on Instagram because yeah. I was curious to see what our community thought a little bit. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, we love thrifting. We mm-hmm. like to go out to estate sales, garage sales, thrift stores, and find things that are cool and repurpose, refinish, and sometimes resell them. And so lately we have been seeing like people, not on our stuff, but on other people that we follow that are saying like, this is not okay. Well, let's give like a little history to like where this all started. Yeah. For us, this started with garage selling about two years ago with Gary Vanderchuk's garage selling. That's true. Because that's like when we first saw Gary Vanderchuk is an entrepreneur who lives in um, New York. He's like, oh my gosh, like the, I don't even know how. Uh, I don't know. He's <laughs> like, he, he gets associated a lot with like the hustle culture, like always be working, like always have no, a side gig. That's not true. He gets associated with it a lot. True. Um, he kind of has that vibe because he likes to work and he likes what he does. And so he's, he's like very intense New Yorker. Um, talking about how basically like do what makes you happy, do what you're passionate about, regardless of like what, you know, uh, people expect of you, where you think you're supposed to be. Like, he's very much like, do what makes you happy. doesn't matter if you're making, uh, $20,000 a year or a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like do what, if you're happy, like do that. Like that's what's important. And like pursue that. Um, but he had this YouTube series mm -hmm. called, oh, I can't remember what it was called. It was called. Trash talk with Gary V. Trash talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where he would just go. I mean, this dude's like a millionaire, you know, but mm-hmm. he is going to garage sales in like the New York area mm-hmm. and finding like baseball cards and like toys. New York Jets gear yeah. and like all this toys, all this stuff. And he's buying it for like $4. And then he takes it back to the car and he's like, so I looked this up on eBay and this thing is actually worth 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know. $46 worth of profit, you know? Mm-hmm. So he, then he'll, he had these episodes where he would go out on a Saturday, buy a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and then talk about how much that stuff would be worth when he would resell it. And then mm-hmm. he would actually post it up on eBay. Mm-hmm. Well, a team, his team, because yeah. <laughs> <Not him. laughs> he had a, quite a lot of people underneath him, but his team would then post on eBay and then they would make like profit off of mm-hmm. it. And, you know, not like 
for for someone like Gary Vee, who's a millionaire, not a lot of profit, you know, maybe like a few hundred bucks per Saturday is what the profit was. Um, it would be however, sometimes, like, sometimes it yeah. would go up to like almost like a few thousand because totally. he would get like a haul of these old vintage Hot Wheels cars or something yeah. and then realize that, oh my gosh, these are like first edition ones. Mm-hmm. So these are actually worth like a few hundred dollars a pop. Mm-hmm. So um, we, yeah, Chanel watched that. I like was obsessed yeah. because he does it because he enjoyed it and because it's fun for him. And then it's like part of like a hunt or like a treasure hunt. And it's like what he did though is he would try to bargain as low as possibly possible. So like if he found this toy... Uh, like a stuffed animal that was like being sold for $5, but on eBay being sold for $30, he tried to talk them down to, uh, okay, $2, $2, okay, $2, $1, and he'd get it to the very low because to him the game was what is the most profit I can make um, regardless of what the item is. What's the percentage flip the, I can Yeah, get. yeah, yeah, the percentage yeah, flip. Yeah, he's all about the percentage. Totally. And yeah. so um, I saw this, and this was uh, two summers ago, so not 2020, but 2019. And I was like, I could do this. Like, I can totally do this. Um, so what I would do is I would go on Saturdays, I would go to garage sales and um, look for things. And I did, I did a very similar thing where it was like toys or like vintage things, unique things, interesting things that I would find. Yeah. And um, would do that. And I recognized that I was the only person at these garage sales kind of doing this. So I'm like, okay, so not a lot of people do this. And then Josiah started tagging along with me. And we started going to garage sales, estate sales, and more and um, thrift stores. We, brought, we took in thrift stores. Yeah. And then we started to see, oh, my gosh, there's niches of people doing this. Like there's like this, there's like stereotypes of people that were doing the same thing. So there's like the after hours construction guys who are like usually like in the electronics and toys and they're looking for things to flip online as well on eBay. And then there's like the stay at home mom who is doing like kids clothes and clothes. And usually like her baskets are filled like. Nuts. She's she's running like two carts full of yes. clothes. You know? And you yeah. know because you're like you just know. You can just sense like the like their their energy that they're just like they're just they're on the hunt for something. And like side note, some of these moms make like a million dollars a year doing this. Like it's insane. I've been following a few of them and I'm just like, your life, like I don't understand. Because they do this there for their full time job and they're making so much money. Yeah. And that's I mean, if you talk about a 40% profit on each item that yeah. you're selling, which is pretty doable when you're flipping. When you're doing that at volume, you're making hand over fist. It's crazy. Totally. So we were doing, um, so what, I mean, when we started doing it, we were doing a lot of like, uh, like uh, toys, um, like vintage toys. Um, we were doing electronics. Josiah was doing a lot of electronics. Yeah. Then we started to get, Josiah started to get into furniture a little bit because um, those were showing up more at estate sales and garage sales. So he learned a lot about what is good furniture and what is bad furniture. Um, and then it just started growing. And how much would you say we made in like that first like three months or so? Are we counting like the car tent and all that stuff? <clears throat> yeah, because the car tent kind of started it off. Oh, yeah. I would say like 4000 Yeah, I think we made about that much. And we refilled our emergency account with it, which was great. And yeah. then we like added some to savings, which was great. So it was kind of like that. But granted, we were going, we were doing a lot. And there was things that it wasn't like everything that we got sold. It was like 
three out of five things we got sold. And then the rest of it, we were like, oh, this isn't selling. So we have to get rid of it. And so, yeah. or like just lose profit on it. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, what do we call ourselves? <laughs> this is my favorite part. So our last name is Anthony. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what we should call ourselves is the flipping A's. Stop. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like we need to like patent that. Like, that is so cool. The flipping A's. Flipping A's. Stop. Like, that is so genius. And and what makes it even better is that Chanel found this like red yeah. baseball hat that just has like a white A embroidered on the front of it. So she yeah. wears it when we go flipping. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so I think that's kind of like a little bit of like a little history bite. Um, long story short, there's a lot of people that do this. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do it in different capacities, um, whether they're like eBay or um, Poshmark is a big one. Um, uh, Facebook Marketplace. Offer and up. Offer Mercury. up. Mercari. Or Mercari. Yeah. yeah, I know. I never knew how to say it right either. Yeah. Mercari, I think. Um, or just friends and family. <clears throat> or friends and family. Yeah. Or um, Craigslist is another one, but Craigslist yeah. is a little sketchy. I like Craigslist. It's, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> just because the design of the website seems very sketchy. It is. Because it, it is. It's not. It is. We buy cars off there. I know. That's sketchy. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. no. Yeah. Oh, kitty. Here, you can spray him. <laughs> oh, that wasn't like super up close, but it's a little kitty and kitty water spray ASMR for you. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's a little bit about it. Um, so what are some of your favorite flips, if you remember? Oh, uh, I have a couple top ones. And... And also to note, most of the time when we go, we'll go to like an estate sale or garage sale or now we do, yeah. Yeah. Or thrift stores or whatever. And usually like my mentality with it is just to get things that I think are cool or interesting mm-hmm. because then it it stays fun, you know, mm-hmm. like for a while Gary Vee's all about like buying mugs, like coffee mugs and flipping he likes those. The mugs, though. And he has a whole shirt that says like mug life on it and all that stuff. So for a while, we were, like, buying a <laughs> crap ton of mugs. And he, we're like, this is where the profit's at. Gary Vee said it's where it's at. Dude. But it was, like, <laughs> not fun for me. Like, I did not enjoy it. And the profit, like, the margins were great. But the profit was, like, we would sell, like, 30 mugs or something. And it, we would make, like, maybe $100 after shipping costs and listing fees and all that stuff. And I was like, this is not fun. <laughs> I'm like, I need to go quality over quantity here. So that's, that's when I started like, okay, furniture, let's go furniture. Cause I love, I love design. I like furniture. I love things that are like aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I like the mid-century modern design. I like high quality stuff. It's very cool. So yeah, I have a few like top flips. The first one that got me like, okay, this is something that's really cool that we can do is start flipping things. We went to this car mechanic for, we had an old Subaru Forester for a while, RIP, RIP, um, had gasket blue on that car a little bit ago. Very unfortunate, but we had a Subaru Forester for a while and I took it into the mechanic and, um, I was talking with the mechanic because he was like a local guy, pretty nice. Um, and he mentioned, he was like, Hey, do you guys go camping? Like, do you, do you like camping? And I was like, 
Yeah, I love camping. We were actually on our way to go camping. Yeah, we were on our time. way to go camping. And and he he was like, oh, well, I have this car tent, you know, that some customer left because he couldn't afford to pay for his repair. Um, but it's just been sitting for like a year and I don't know what to do with it. Would you guys be interested in buying it? And I was like, yeah, I'd be interested in buying it. Because we had just started like, I took Chanel camping and she loved it. And so it was like, oh, now we can go, we could start car camping, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, yeah, definitely, we're interested. Um, he's like, all right, well, when you guys get back from your little trip and you come and pick up your car, just like make me an offer, like have time to think about it. And I was like, okay. So I checked it out a little bit, looked up the brand and all that stuff, and then came back, talked about it with Chanel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, I think we could, I think we could buy this thing for 300 bucks. And we were actually considering using it. Yeah, this we were like, we're going to get yet. this and we'll use it. But, you know, I was looking online and th this car tent was like $1,000. But I was like, at the time it was like 300 bucks maybe is mm -hmm. what we could swing. And so I offered it. I was like, okay, well, we can afford $300. So I went back to the mechanic and told him that. And he's like, okay, deal. So I was like, all right, well, let me go get some cash and then <laughs> we'll buy this car tent. We didn't end up using the car tent because it turns out we would have to have bought better crossbars for our Forester. Mm -hmm. And we started really thinking about the overall cost and maintenance of it. And I was like, mm, maybe not. So mm -hmm. I was like, all right, whatever, we'll just sell it. And so sold it for $750. Mm -hmm. So I made, we made 450 profit on it. And I was like, whoa, that's like $450. Mm -hmm. That's like at the time that was like, a week's worth of work for me. So I was mm -hmm. like, why, why am I working? <laughs> I could just find deals like this. So that was one of my favorite ones. Um, and that's kind of what like kicked me off into mm -hmm. wanting to like start flipping stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's been a lot of other furniture pieces too, that have been cool mm -hmm. coffee tables that I bought for 40 and sold for 300 mm -hmm. and stuff like that, that mm -hmm. are, you know, made in, Denmark or made in Sweden or mm -hmm. whatever, like, you know, the mid-century modern is like a big style right now. Everyone wants it, but they don't want like Ikea. They want real authentic made in the 60s style, mm -hmm. like furniture. So, yeah, I think some of the other cool flips was some of the vintage toys that we found. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we found this four foot by four foot um, Millennium Falcon at a Goodwill. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. And it um, it was uh, like a 2006 Hasbro or 2007 Hasbro. And um, if you looked in the toys, like where the little dolls are at, there was all of the characters that paired with the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And the Millennium Falcon itself, the ship, which I cannot believe, because there was totally flippers at this um, they had Goodwill. literally just put it out on the floor. Like I watched I the lady put it on the shelf and I was like, Whoa. I cannot believe, because it was, it was <laughs> the tag, the Goodwill tag was $20, yep. which is insane. And then the little action figures were like in bundles of like 10 or so. And then those were like maybe like $10 each. So you had to kind of get a few of those. Um, but over Overall, I think it sold for about uh, $280, $300. Mm -hmm. um, but that one was really cool because that was a very, it was th that was a very lucky find. Um, yeah. Yeah. And some other ones, my favorite, a couple of furniture pieces. I had this like beautiful rattan 
woven chair and I was like, this is going to sell for a thousand dollars. I found it at a lot for $90 and I'm like, this is going to sell for a thousand dollars. If I had the space, I'd keep it. And it was this beautiful chair. It was stunning, <laughs> stunning. So I listed it at 800. It didn't go for like a week. Then I listed it at 700, another week, 600, another week, 500, another week, 400, another week. And then it finally sold at like $350. And I was like, well, dang, I thought it was worth so much more. <laughs> And we had it. But in, in reality, you just made, you know, $260. I know, but I was like, but. this is a, this is from Paris itself. And this was woven together by nuns who just, who, 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 who prayed over this chair, who, who, you know, like I was so excited. So, yeah. but no, it sold for three, which is great. But so that's another good flip. Um, yeah. And so now, yes, yeah, so now we don't do this at the volume that we used to do um, because it's a lot of work. Um, we've told some people that we do this and they're like, why are you doing this? This is so much work. Part of it is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun to do. And it's like, there's an energy about it and it's fun. Um, but yeah, we don't do it at the same volume that we used to do anymore. Uh, we do it. Uh, we probably go to a state sale thrift store once or twice a week now, which is still a lot. Yeah. But um, we look for more things that we know are fitting within our niche of what we like. So just size more yeah. furniture. And then I am much more um, like little like little home trinkets, little cool little pots and things that are just like home accents. And I have an Etsy shop where I sell those things. Yeah. And it's like a fun little side hobby that I do. So yeah. that's so now we know rather than just like going after everything and then seeing what sticks, which is what we were doing before, which is a great way to learn what your niche is and what people like to do. Yeah. Um, but now it's more furniture and for that yeah. and then home stuff for me. So, and it's like a hobby that makes you money, which is fun. Yeah. You know, like we enjoy the, like we enjoy looking for things totally. and also like just learning about different things for me. I love that. I love like going into random aisles Mm -hmm. and finding something that looks like high quality and then trying to find it on Google Mm -hmm. and then learning about, oh, it was manufactured by this one company and Mm -hmm. then they went out of business and they got bought out by so-and-so and and that's why the markings are different. And Mm -hmm. like, I just think that that whole, that history of an item is like really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, And I love that. I love finding things that originally had a lot of value to them, like Mm -hmm. furniture um, that over time that value has diminished because it hasn't been taken care of or it hasn't been like maintained well, Mm -hmm. but then bringing it back to it's like, you know, it's previous value. I think Mm -hmm. that's really interesting and really fun. So totally. I do think it was fun when we were like out and about often and then we would have things in our cart and then other people who were doing the same thing as us would look into our cart and they're like, how did you find that? Where did it go? I walked right by and I didn't even see this. How did you find this? And we're like, I mean, I mean, you just, we just got lucky. Sorry. And they're like, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, there's a whole, there's a whole community there too, which is fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So we don't talk, we haven't talked about this before because kind of like our next transition, there is, um, uh, a perspective and an argument that this is unethical and wrong. And that's why I threw up the poll on, um, Instagram because we were reading our book yesterday, the ruthless elimination of hurry. And it talked about minimalism. It talked about, um, uh, having less things of higher value, um, you know, not having too much of a consumption of things. We were like in that conversation and thrifting came up that we thrift and then resell. And, um, there, there's definitely a perspective 
with people who do this, who put themselves online and who put themselves out there with their niche and what they're doing, whether it's furniture, whether it's clothing, whether it's designer clothing, whether it's toys, um, they'll put themselves on the internet and um, half the comments are like, this is cool, that's awesome. The other half of the comments are like, this is wrong. Um, so I've been seeing a lot more comments of that for people that I follow. And this is totally, this is very legitimate. So Josiah and I were like, this would be good to talk about on the podcast and to get people's perspective and just for good conversation. Um, why do people think that this is unethical or wrong? And what can we like, like what, like, is there something to learn here? Is there something to consider here? But also like our experience, our perspective on uh, minimalism, repurposing, things like that. So yeah, yeah. totally. Deal. Okay. Okay, so let me share a couple comments that I found in another video um, where he went to... Do you have a thought? No. Okay. Um, he went to Goodwill, and he got a table, a hat, and a Jesus painting. And it got, like, about 2 million views. <laughs> and every other comment was a, this is unethical, this is wrong, or this is so cool, I want that Jesus painting. <laughs> so here were some comments. Just to kind of give you guys just a little bit of context of, like, what we're talking about as we continue to talk about it. Um, it says, so one comment said, buying nice things from thrift stores to resell feels like stealing from poor people who can't afford to go anywhere else. Another comment said, upsellers and resellers are gentrifying thrift stores to the point that people need to shop there, that need to shop there can't afford it anymore. Um... The next comment is no empathy for those who are poor and wanted something of their own and you had the nerve to deprive an upsell. And then some comments that were um, for what he is doing um, was um, uh, oh, Goodwill is a for-profit company. Um, who cares if he resells his stuff? Do donate your local to your local nonprofit and doesn't have to be Goodwill. Um... There was another one. Let me see. Oh, if you're mad about this video, remember that Goodwill throws away thousands of items. You can survive, survive without a Jesus painting, a hat, and a table. <laughs> so there's kind of like just like this back and forth argument, black and white of is this wrong or is this right? So yeah. that's a little bit of context as to some of the comments that I see on many different platforms with many different types of reselling. Yeah. So in those comments alone, there's actually a lot of misinformation around Goodwill specifically. Is there? There is. Okay. Goodwill is not a for-profit company. They are a non-profit organization. So oh. Goodwill oh, operates okay, as a non-profit. Okay. There are other thrift stores. Um, so Salvation Army and Goodwill are non-profit organizations. There are other thrift stores like we have here, our, our, well, ARC thrift stores. We're in mm -hmm. Colorado Springs. Um, and then there's like other value village. value village, you know, there's some that are actually for profit mm. and you'll notice that in the pricing and that sort of thing. Although Goodwill's so, pricing has gotten high. Goodwill's pricing has gotten high. Mm -hmm. However, not everything that Goodwill receives ends up on their floors. Mm. And so that's another thing. And yes, stuff does get thrown away because Goodwill gets stuff donated to them. That's like mildewy or like unusable clothing items, yes, they throw those away. Mm -hmm. And those those do either end up in a landfill if they're actually like a contamination issue mm -hmm. or they will get sent to a like a textile recycling company mm -hmm. um, that where only 5% of that stuff that that company receives actually ends up in a landfill. So there's like multiple levels to Goodwill's infrastructure 
that tries to eliminate stuff just ending up in landfills when they receive it as a donated item, unless there's like an issue. This is specifically like for clothes. So yeah, Goodwill is a nonprofit organization. They actually do provide a lot of work um, for people who typically cannot receive work from other businesses. So thinking like felons, um, there's people with disabilities that work at Goodwill a lot. So they primarily started as a nonprofit charity organization that would provide job training to people. And this was like back in the 1800s where there was no, there was no systems or organizations to help people with disabilities. They were simply like put into like homes and just left there. And so there's like, um, I think our perspective of Goodwill and, and thrift stores in general mm. has shifted the longer that they've been around mm. and seen as a, oh, this is a resource for people to purchase things at lower cost. When in reality, their mission statement and actually, I because I was reading up on a lot of this before the podcast, so mm-hmm. I didn't want to just talk only from my opinion mm-hmm. and what I think is actually going on, but more from like actually researching and looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I totally lost my train of thought. That's okay. Yeah. You're talking about how you think, um, Goodwill is like less about having items that are for a lower profit. Yes. But yeah, their primary, their primary goal is to provide work for people who don't, aren't able usually to get that work or to provide like job training or Mm -hmm. industry training or skill set training for people um, who are at like a disadvantage. So that's where most of those sales are going and funneling um, is those types of programs. Because it's a nonprofit, they're trying to funnel as much stuff out of their retail locations as they can to job creation mm-hmm. or, um, programs and training programs for mm-hmm. people. Um, so that is kind of the root of Goodwill. I, I mean, I'm speaking about Goodwill specifically. There are other thrift stores that are definitely for profit um, and are receiving donated items and selling them mm-hmm. because like, that's a great business model. Let's be real. <laughs> I will take your old stuff and you don't have to worry about it, but then I can make money off of your old stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's a pretty pretty brilliant idea when you think about it but did you find any articles that specific oh sorry it was like a little did you find any articles specifically on like the argument that this is um hurting the community and hurting the um economy a little bit in the sense of like that we are taking things that are at a lower price point refurnishing repurposing and reselling at a higher price point and it's taken away from people who can't afford a higher price point of things did you see anything on the any articles that kind of talked about that there is but a lot of it was like non-factual well go ahead and explain that like, um, what is like the so i mean the argument of that is basically that um if let's just say that i'm a goodwill store and i'm providing a lot of clothes at a certain price point and i realize that my inventory is getting bought up and resold at a higher price point And what my goal is as Goodwill is to create more job programs to help more people. And in order to do that, I need more money. And so when I'm noticing, oh, all of this inventory is actually going out and being sold at higher price points, 
what I will do then is find those items that are getting sold at higher price points. When they come into my store, I'll mark them up a little bit so that we're making more money. They're going to get sold, but that way I have more profit coming in as Goodwill so that I can go ahead and put those resources towards my job creation programs and other things. So as a, as a store, that would make sense, right? But the argument is that in doing that, in Goodwill marking up things in order to make more money to be able to put it into uh, programs, what that does is it um, hurts the people that have been coming into those thrift stores to purchase items for themselves because they can't afford, they can't afford something that's new. So people in lower income situations and stuff will rely on thrift stores to buy clothes, to buy furniture, to buy other things. But because those prices are getting marked up, they're now unable to purchase from right. those places. And they're getting marked so. up. But they're also, okay, but what about the argument? I'm also playing devil's advocate on a lot. I think, like, side note, I think personally that going to thrift stores and buying and using and reselling things that are already existing rather than going to, like, um, super cheaply made um I don't know, brand new. Like if I can get something at the good thrift store as opposed to Amazon, I'm going to go to the thrift store 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, that's kind of like been helpful. That's like kind of my perspective on it. I enjoy it. I feel like it's helpful. I feel like it's the better option. Um, but also there's tons of stuff everywhere in the thrift stores. And it's like, it's not like there's like a limit of how much stuff there is. I feel like that there's tons of stuff all the time everywhere. And it's just, I, I've been overwhelmed lately thinking about how much stuff is on this planet. So There's a ton of stuff. There's a ton. So anyway, but I'm going to like be devil's advocate because I think it's worth talking about. And I think it's worth talking about the other side of it. So what about this comment that says buying nice things from thrift stores to resell is like stealing from poor people who can't afford to go anywhere else? I get the basis of the argument. It makes sense. I don't know. I don't know how factual or actual that is because we do go in, we thrift a lot. We go to garage sales a lot. We go to estate sales a lot. Mostly at garage sales and at estate sales are flippers. Like people who are there are there to make money from those sales. At thrift stores, you do see like a variety of different people. You see people who are there to to shop. You see high school kids there looking for like, you know, vintage flannels to where you see people who are there flipping and it never feels like there's not enough stuff for people. Mm-hmm. Like there is constant inventory coming in to these places. And unless everyone who's going to Goodwill starts to become people flipping, I don't see that as an issue mm. because there is a ridiculous amount of inventory and donations coming into thrift stores constantly. And like, truck loads worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't think that that's actually impacting people in the way that they think it is from that comment. I don't think that um I don't think that there has become this widespread issue where thrift stores are now no longer selling to people who need it because mm-hmm. we witness that constantly. Like mm-hmm. Chanel and I go into thrift stores and we witness that constantly where there's people who are purchasing for themselves and they need to to buy those items. I've also witnessed on a multiple occasions going into uh, Goodwill where there have been people who were homeless, 
um, come in, talk to the people behind the register, and then be able to get clothes for free. They would go to the racks, they would pick mm. them out, they would brought them over to the register, talked to the manager, said, these are the things that I need. The manager allows them to take those items and go. And so I've witnessed that myself to where those people who are actually in need are getting taken care of. So you don't think that people who are reselling and reflipping take away the opportunity for more people to do that? Do they take away an opportunity? Sure. For that item? Yes. But there are hundreds of items in that items place. There are countless coffee tables and jackets and jeans and shirts Mm -hmm. that come in every single day. Mm -hmm. So not a lot of people know about Goodwill structure, um, but step one in Goodwill structure is obviously receiving items from people and donating. Um, And those are usually at donation centers or at storefronts. And most people think of Goodwill, they think of a storefront. They think of you go in there, you see all of these clothes and all of these items, and you're able to purchase them. Step two in their structure is after a few weeks of items being on their floor, they actually take them off of the retail store floor and they will send them to a Goodwill outlet. And Mm. the Goodwill outlets are, it's um, sold by Mm -hmm. weight. So you get a cart full of clothes Mm -hmm. and they sell it based on weight not on items. And so that is the next step in their process is to try and get rid of things, Mm. still rehome them, not just and have them end up in landfills, Mm. but they go to Goodwill outlets where, I mean, you're talking a cart full of clothes maybe costs you $8, like Mm -hmm. a cart full of just, and they could be any items. It could be literally like designer level Mm -hmm. clothes. Mm -hmm. It could also be just old t-shirts. Like it doesn't matter. It's by weight. And they're literally like all in bins. Like it's this big room and it is just these like probably like 15 to 20 giant bins that people dig through. We have dug through (laughs) with gloves um, because you don't want to get your hands cut or anything. Um, And we'll also resellers go there and they find some pretty crazy things as well. They find like they'll find um, a designer dress or designer pair of shoes in the bins, which is like nuts to me that it got all the way down to the bins. Um, but yeah. besides the point. Yeah. So that is step two. And there's actually a third step. Be- well, there's four total. But the third step after the retail outlet, like the Goodwill outlets, um, they they send those items then to the Goodwill auctions mm. to where people can bid on bins to where you're buying literally like some people have never like seen the size of these bins, but they're like these giant like recycle bins. They're huge. They're like the size of like a three person couch. Um, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good example. They're huge. And those bins will get auctioned off and it's just sort of random stuff in there. And so those bins can go as low as like $35. If people notice Dang. that there's actually some good quality stuff in there you know, they, it, the bidding might go up higher, but they take them to the Goodwill auction. After the Goodwill auction, the textiles, so the clothing and stuff, end up going to a textile recycling company. Mm-hmm. Um, the The name of it that was in the article that I was reading was S-M-A-R-T, SMART. Um, and so the then SMART takes those textiles the things that can get repurposed and resold, they have outlets and uh, network to do that. Um, and then they also will 
like shred those clothes and repurpose them for like mm. uh, insulation in cars or insulation mm. in couches and that sort of thing. That's um, and that's about 30%, like 40% of them actually end up getting torn up for like industrial rags mm. um, because you have to be, you have to clean stuff. So they use that for that. Um, and then like 5% of the items that they receive go to landfill. Mm. So that's kind of like, I guess the life in mm. of a item of clothing that comes into Goodwill and then isn't sold. <laughs> that's kind of like what that process looks like. So as you can see, yeah. <laughs> there are tons of different opportunities for people to mm. get items for not just what you're seeing at on a Goodwill retail floor, but for way less than that at the Goodwill outlets, even less than that at a Goodwill auction. Um, so there's a lot of steps along the way where people who are in need are able to receive those. Also, too, something I did see in the comments that was something um, that people uh, of different classes, women so of class, lower class, or um, people from different uh, backgrounds are still going to these thrift stores and doing the same thing. So they are, like, getting a lot of stuff and then reselling it um, to be able to make money that way. So yeah. I don't think that there's anything wrong with making money that way. Um, but a lot of people have the argument that it is a form of a gen gentrification Gen gentrification yeah and i can i understand the gentrification argument mm -hmm. when now we're seeing at goodwill there's no longer just a rack of clothes there's mm -hmm. a rack of clothes and then there's the designer clothes and goodwill knows what mm -hmm. brands can actually sell for more and so those items get marked up really? so a t-shirt okay yeah Sorry. like like a um like a flannel from walmart is going to be four or five dollars six maybe six dollars seven or eight it depends on where you're at but um it'll be like let's just say eight dollars a flannel from walmart will sell for about eight dollars mm -hmm. at goodwill mm. whereas a like a, a eddie bauer flannel mm -hmm. will sell actually for like 25 at, at that goodwill. same goodwill that's because a good point, actually. there are the white tag items that don't go on sale yeah black um, tag they know that they're worth more. And so they're selling them for a little bit more because they're higher quality. And that actually most of the time will deter people from flipping it because yeah. your profit margins are no longer they're, you're, you're 50%. Break even. Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of breaking even after yeah. shipping cost, after all of that stuff. So that has been deterring people from flipping those items, but they're still a, more expensive for people who might need items that want need higher quality right. items. So, that so goes, I understand the gentrification argument with that example in particular. That goes along with that comment that says upsellers, resellers are gentrifying thrift stores to the point that people need to that need to shop there can't afford it anymore. So that goes along with that comment a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Which I do agree for um I mean, I only did clothes. I only flipped clothes for like a hot minute because it's like actually a lot of work and it's yeah. a lot of organization. Um, it's actually a lot of um, work and you have to do your research and it is just, ugh, it takes up a lot of space and then you have like the thrift store smell. It's just like the clothes was not it for me. But I, like I said, I follow moms, stay at home moms or couples who do this for designer clothes or for high end clothes and they're making like, like stupid money. Like, $10,000 a month, stupid money. Like it's unreal to me. I see that and I'm like, Oh, I could do that. But then I'm like, I don't want 
to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much work. So that I think for the clothes is where I see the up the up pricing market or up mark so that upsellers don't um, come and take it and so that it's like priced higher. So I do see that mostly in clothes. I don't see yeah. that in, in any of the home stuff, electronics, the furniture stuff, the jewelry stuff. I don't see that collectibles. Yes, because resellers will come. They'll know it's a vintage collectible and they'll sell it. They'll buy it for three dollars and sell it for like eighty dollars. So those things are behind glass usually um, because they know that those are yeah. higher priced items. But you're right on the clothes like. The Goodwill up north to us, like the first fourth, like one fourth, 25% of the clothes is black tag, which the black tag means that it's can't go on sale. It's not anything less and it's priced higher, like probably priced about 30% higher than usual. Yeah. And that's where you find like Arcteryx, Patagonia, like there have been some like yeah, Nordstrom some brands, like brands. Um, you know, like all that stuff, like people who have just literally yeah. donated those items and gotten rid of them. So you so. think that's contributing to the problem? I think that that is where I could see where those comments have some validity, but yeah. I don't think that it's to the point where people are no longer able to afford shopping at a thrift store because there's flippers, you know, I like, do, and, yeah. and there are plenty, there are plenty of resources for people to receive items for free mm -hmm. from that who need them, mm -hmm. you know? So there are plenty of resources where people have charities that are just clothes donation where it's not, you don't have to pay. They, if you say what you need and they give that to you, there are tons of, there are tons of programs mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so I, I, I sort of see where that argument is coming from. Yeah. But I don't think that they have a full picture of what that this industry actually is doing, mm. where it's not the primary purpose of Goodwill, and I'll go back to this, the primary purpose of Goodwill is not to sell things for cheaper to people who need it. It's to sure? create jobs for people who need them. Are you sure? Positive. Because I, I, I feel like that first half of that statement is exactly what Goodwill is for. No, I think that's just the misconception. Of I don't Goodwill. think that's a misconception. It I is? think I don't think so. I mean, I, I this morning did a lot of research, looked into their mission statements, looked into all their stuff. Nowhere does it say we're providing items for people at less cost. But it's people don't go to there. Goodwill. People don't go to Goodwill to shop for job opportunities that can be given. They go to Goodwill because they know it's cheaper for higher quality things potentially. Consumers do, yes. People who are consuming the items that are getting donated, yes. Not everyone is a consumer of those items. So you think that people who have these like very strong opinions that this is unethical don't even shop at Goodwill? They might shop at Goodwill, but they're not flipping at Goodwill. And mm -hmm. so they see that as an overextension of that opportunity. They see it as, oh, now you're profiting off of someone else's need. Yes, when in reality, yeah. it's not, that's not necessarily what's happening. That's not necessarily what's happening. <laughs> you're looking at me because you can tell that I'm about to be like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of see, I can kind of see it. I can see the argument a little bit. Yeah. But I can see the argument a little bit in the sense of a one statement, this is wrong, over one video, over one um, uh, post, whatever it is. Like yeah. I can see how people are like, this is wrong. Save it for people who need it. But the thing is, is that's where I agree that there is so much stuff, so much stuff in this planet, on this world. Like there's so much stuff, but also that's maybe that maybe 
maybe that that's like a privileged statement that there's so much stuff. Maybe there's like, a lot of stuff. The, I don't think that's a privileged statement. I think that's a reality that there's a ridiculous amount of stuff that people have. Yeah. That is not, I don't, that's not privilege. That's like a fact. We well, have plenty ridiculous of people, amount of but stuff. We just read in the book too, that we're in the 1% of wealth yeah. in the world. So like maybe we have that perspective because we are, you know, privileged in the sense that we don't, I've never had to think about that. We don't have a lot of stuff. Well, right. I mean, I'm saying we have a lot of stuff as in America, like our, America. our culture, like I what, don't know, what though, I can actually low, speak to. Cause there's low income areas where they where the same thing as the book said, there's low income areas <laughs> where, where that they maybe don't have access to stuff. I think we're talking about two different things. We're talking about two different okay. things. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, um, but I'm no, talking no, no. about people who are going to Goodwill to consume and okay. purchase. Yeah, I don't think that it's taking opportunities away from people who are using Goodwill to consume and purchase. Mm-hmm. If there are other people who are going there to consume and purchase mm-hmm. and then flip, mm-hmm. I don't think that people who add that third step mm-hmm. are are vastly impacting the people who are going there as mm-hmm. a need. Okay, so let me ask you this. this. is kind of like a a little bit of a different situation, but also something that is very popular for people to do to way to make a way to make money. People will go to Marshalls, TJ Maxx. Um, what's another one of those places? Marshalls, TJ Maxx, are the only ones I can think of. And they look at things that are priced lower um, than the market value price on Amazon. They will buy and bundle and then resell and package to Amazon. What do you think about that? Unethical or ethical? Completely ethical. Completely ethical? They're rather than sourcing from like wholesale pricing or needing a like um they don't have to be in a network in order to purchase things at wholesale pricing. They're just going the consumer out. Mm-hmm. If I if I walk into a store, because there's a lot of people that also do this at like Target. Like mm-hmm. any clearance yep, yep, sections, yep. Yep. they'll purchase things that are on clearance, thirty percent markdown or whatever, and then flip them and sell them for full price because they're new in box on all that stuff on Amazon or on Craigslist or Facebook or whatever. To clarify, with like a five dollar markdown. To clarify, know? Amazon will purchase these items from you so that Amazon can sell them from their platform. So Correct. Amazon is the one who's paying you if you're doing this. Correct. Okay. So I don't think that that is necessarily. Un- I don't think it's unethical. I think that it's fine. I think that it's a lot of work actually to do that. It's a lot of work. Um, and if people are willing willing and wanting to do that work, like that's a way to make money. Again, they're making probably, yeah. I mean, it depends on the volume they're going at, but these guys are making like thousands of dollars every month. Yeah. Like eight, $10,000 every month. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't see an issue with that. I, okay. They're using a consumer, a consumer um, way of purchasing mm-hmm. in order to uh, provide products at yeah. a higher price. Like, yeah, the I don't time, see any issue with that. That's okay. The only time I think I've ever felt unethical flipping or doing anything like this is when I was doing it with toys because I would go to garage sales or I go to the thrift store and I find toys that were either vintage, unique, interesting, and I would sell them. Like for example, um, if there's a few things, but there's also so many toys in this world, but, um, I would find things, um, like uh, vintage action figures was a big one. Um, yeah. It was like Spider-Man, Venom, um, just Marvel figures, action figures um, from the from the nineties. And I think I got like a bundle of them for like eight dollars, and they each sold for like twenty to fifty dollars on eBay. And I sold them yeah. and made a profit. Um, 
the thing that I feel like is unethical about that is because there's moms and their kids looking at toys to buy toys for the kid. And I'm taking away an opportunity for a kid to have a really cool toy for my profit. So that's the only time I felt a little icky about it. Um, as well as like, um, yeah, yeah. Toys like that. Like I felt icky about it. So I stopped doing it a little bit. I can understand that. I think the people that are buying that action figure for 20 to $50 are collectors. Totally. Rather than exactly. kids, you know, so exactly. you're, you're, you're moving an item from a, um, you're just kind of changing its purpose a little bit from being a toy to play with to being a collector item. But the and kids the value, need the toys more than the collector needs the item. Well, the value switches. It doesn't, not necessarily. You, you don't know, think so? I think, I think kids there are do. plenty of Spider-Man action figures out there that kids would not care if it's a '90s vintage one or. But if it's that, if it's you know, that one that they fall in love with, and I took away that opportunity for them to have their favorite action figure of their entire life, so I can make forty bucks. Well, this is. I mean, yeah, you're an awful person for doing <laughs> that, but that is not the case. <laughs> that's what I mean. I think that's like an extreme example. I think that's that's the mentality that some people are coming at this thrifting thing with yeah. is that they're thinking of the most extreme example of you just bought that coffee table and mm. now there's a family in your community that mm. can't afford that coffee table because you took away their opportunity. Mm. How dare you? Mm. And I'm like, well, this coffee table was broken. I mm. took it home. I fixed it. I redid the legs, I refinished it and sanded it, mm -hmm. I refinished it, and now it's my coffee table. Mm -hmm. Like, now I've put in blood, sweat, and, uh, not blood, sweat, <laughs> sweat and work into this coffee Time table. Time and effort. <laughs> Time and effort. It was hot outside, so I did sweat a little bit. Um, to create something for my home, mm -hmm. and I, 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 feel, I feel like when it's at that level, um, it's, it's fine. You know, I could sell that coffee table for mm -hmm. $500 and someone would then get really upset at me. Or I could just keep it in my house knowing it's worth $500 mm -hmm. and they would have no issue with it. Mm. So it's the fact that now I'm profiting off of an opportunity of someone else to have something that they need. That's Which I think is an extreme example of mm -hmm. what happens okay. at thrift stores every yeah. day. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because some of the things that we have found have been... Um, Oh, what was that thing that we found? We found this rounded coffee edge table at an estate sale for $20. Also, estate sales can feel it's 40 low. bucks. 40 bucks? Um, and you sold it for $300. You didn't even repurpose it. You sold it for $300 because the mom said, I want a table that doesn't have sharp edges for my kid. So sure, $300. And we were like, what the? Like, this was $40. Yeah, so, so also, we live in an area where people are like, that's what... Eh, like, yeah, I, that's, that feels good. So I'll yeah. just, I don't care. And, and sometimes things are priced where the value is not seen. So there's... Um, I, I was actually on Facebook. I, I saw this post. Um, and I'll just try to like talk about it briefly, but there's this post about an old vintage car. This dad gives his daughter an old vintage car mm -hmm. and says, okay, I want you to go to the mechanic with this car and ask him how much he would buy it for. So she goes to the mechanic and he says a thousand dollars, you know, it's not in great condition. It needs a lot of work. Um, so I could give you a thousand dollars for it. She comes back and says it's worth a thousand dollars. And he says, okay, um, I want you to go to, um, you know, a, like a friend or someone in the community who, or like a, a used car sales lot or something, see how much you could get it for. So she takes it to the used car sales lot 
and they say, this was worth like $500. It's not in good condition. We can't really sell it for a lot. So she comes back and she says, well, they said it's worth $500. And he said, okay, uh, this Sunday, I want you to go to the car collector convention, mm-hmm. take it there and see how much they'll sell, they'll buy it for. Mm-hmm. So she takes it there and they say a million dollars. This is a one of a kind. It's vintage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in really good condition. Mm-hmm. The body's in good condition. The engine needs some work, but this is a collector's item. We'll give you a million dollars for it. So that same car to different people is worth way different mm-hmm. prices. And I think that's the same thing with a lot of this thrifting stuff, flipping stuff, is that when Chanel takes an item and she sees it at Goodwill for a dollar and it's it's got character to it, it looks cool, it's like this nice home accent piece. So she sees that and she sees that it's not worth a dollar. Mm-hmm. It's not worth a dollar. She might pay a dollar, mm-hmm. but she knows that it's actually worth more to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so buys that item, takes it, cleans it up, takes mm-hmm. some nice pictures of it, puts it onto your Etsy shop, mm-hmm. you know, um, with some nice pictures, a description of and the, and the dimensions of it and all that stuff. And that same $1 item can now sell for $50. And I, it, it's just the care that has gone into and the intentionality that's gone mm-hmm. into creating that value mm-hmm. and also seeing that value in something mm-hmm. and other people see that same value. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really is like the premise of flipping mm-hmm. is that, yes, I can buy that coffee table from an estate sale for $40 because whoever marked it didn't look on the bottom and see that it was from the sixties made in Denmark mm-hmm. from this designer. Like they didn't see that. Mm-hmm. And so, but I did. So I know that it's actually worth a lot more than just $40. Mm-hmm. So I take it home. I take some nice pictures of it. I put it up on Facebook marketplace and this mom sees that table not as made in Denmark from this certain designer. She sees that table as, oh, there's rounded corners so my kids won't hit their heads. So that's worth $300 for me. Mm. It's worth $300 to her for a different reason than it's worth $300 to me Mm. for a different reason than it's worth $40 to that other person. Mm. So the items are just like, it's whatever value people put into them. It makes sense. My last example is kind of a creative route um, but also something that's gotten a lot of criticism as well. There's this trend on TikTok, um, but there is this trend to go to your local thrift store to find pieces of art and to like paintings, vintage paintings, things like that, take it home and then repaint certain things over it. It's like very, they, they'll like paint shapes over it or they'll paint like their own like little design over it. And um, this was a fun, cute little trend and comments blew up that this was ruining art and there's no there's no appreciation for the things that were already created and um that this was wrong (laughs) well what what am i supposed to say to that it's just another example of something being like thrifted and something from a thrifting example or my, my what do you think about that i think it's another example of a lot of people who are uneducated making comments and getting upset at people for doing something new Okay. So, 
I have many thoughts on that. I think many thoughts. Personally, we'll share them. That's why we're on a podcast. Oh boy. Wait, my, my I'll share my thought. Also, if you're on a soapbox moment, say you're, well, this whole thing is a soapbox. This whole thing <laughs> has been a soapbox moment. And we're open to okay, pause. Also to say, like if you have a different opinion or if you have like a perspective where you're like, actually, um, I think this, like share that. Like you're more than welcome to share that with us. Like go to our Instagram and like send us a message or a comment or something. And like we're open to conversation about this. This is just what our experience is, our research and what we've understood. Okay. My thought on the art thing. My thought on the art thing is that I think that it is a a creative outlet for creative people to do something different with something that has already been out there. I think that's a part of creativity. I think that's a part of art is that you are doing something um, that adds or takes away from something else that someone else did in a creative way. I think it's a creative outlet. I think it's absolutely creative outlet. I think it's super cool because not it's, it's similar to like, like upcycling clothes to people who would buy, you know, they source thrifting stuff or use stuff and they will like restructure them, sew patches on them, Mm -hmm. like do other things to like make them unique. Mm. And I think that's so cool. I think that I personally want there to be more of that Mm -hmm. because we're not then creating brand new things. We're actually repurposing stuff that has already been created, mm. has already gone through its like creation process. Mm. And now we are just continuing to transform that into something that is new mm-hmm. and fresh and has a new perspective to it, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. And speaking from an environmentally conscious position, that is so much better mm. than going to the art store buying a new canvas, buying new paints, mm. buying new all this stuff, and then using that to create something. Which isn't bad if you do which that. Which isn't bad if you do that. But if if you're comparing the two, there is, like, why why is that bad to take something that someone has donated mm-hmm. and gotten rid of and has, has, in a sense, seen that item worth zero dollars, worth nothing to them, to, so much so that they'll just get rid of it mm. for free. Mm. Um, and taking that item and repurposing it, giving it a new perspective, putting your own creativity into it, and then appreciating that thing as something new. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think, I think that's so cool. I didn't actually know that that was a trend on TikTok, but yeah. I think that's really rad. I think it, what it is is that it's um, not respecting the original creator and the original artist. Well, I think the person that donated that item to Goodwill, that it's now sitting on a shelf with millions of other things, that that has devalued it. And now that person is purchasing it and putting value back into it. Right. But it's saying that like that your creative overlay of it again, again I'm just being devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, that your crea- that what you're doing it is ruining the original creator's original artist's uh, vision thing and hard work, effort, creativity, um, ability, and just kind of it, devaluing it in that sense. People don't see it as a new creative, at least the critics, on they don't see it as a new... <laughs> you're shaking your head so shaking much. Shaking my head so much. <laughs> but that's like they're, that they're devaluing something that was originally made in so much creativity. It's not the person who gave it away, but the artist who originally created something. Like, And they're like what they are is they're like these beautiful, big canvas oil paintings, like these big, like, like they took time yeah. to make these like gorgeous art pieces. Yeah. And now that other person's taking time to create something else. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah. But it's something that else is kind of in the same vein of our topic. Yeah. I, th- I think that there's, 
it's good to have a respect for art. I think that's good. But then there's also a level of art that is going to not be traditional. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fantastic mm -hmm. as well. You know. But we're artists, so maybe that's <laughs> from an artist's perspective. If someone took the work that I did, photos that I've taken, true. and, and they, yeah, do, they do something different with it, I just see that as an extension and a continuation of yeah. what I was I started. Yeah. I so I don't I don't take any personal offense to that. Now let's say that that person is now like doing that to a lot of different people and profiting off of that mm. and not giving credit to the original artist. I think that's that's different. Okay. That's something totally different. Okay. And again, I think that's where those comments are coming from is they're seeing the extreme example like that mm. where, oh, now you're just ripping off of artists and taking credit as mm. it's your own. But come on, like that's that's art. People just yeah. emulate and copy other people. Yeah. And then it slowly morphs into their own thing because they have accumulated all of these different inspirations, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree. I just thought that was an interesting example. But Very interesting. Phew. What a topic. I think we covered just about everything. Yeah. Oh, quick side note as well. Mm. Another article I was reading today and researched past one article, you know, because sometimes one article is not enough information. <laughs> but uh, Goodwill is actually partnering with OfferUp mm. um, to sell the items that come into their stores that are actually worth, like, that are, you know, nice Leica cameras or mm. like high-end Gucci, Hermes, like designer level clothes, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. The stuff that they've already been doing, um, they have like an online Goodwill auction. Um, they have been putting those items online for so long, but mm. now they're partnering with like OfferUp mm. to sell there. Mm. And they're, they're doing this in like a hundred stores or something like that in a specific region. Um, so Goodwill is also adapting to Hmm. what's happening where people have easier access to sell directly their own items, you know, like, Oh, I have this really nice coach purse that I don't, don't want anymore. Um, some people are now selling those themselves rather than donating or taking them to somewhere else like a consignment shop because there's resources to do that. But now Goodwill is adapting and kind of like doing the same thing, which that's is, I thought was very interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where thrifting goes. It'll mm -hmm. be interesting. It's it's changed a lot since we started. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes and how it continues to grow and online stuff for sure. Um, but yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We'll continue, I guess, to share like things that we find and estate sales we go to. And um, But I think that this conversation is good because this is the first time we've ever talked about it. And anyone who talks about it, there is that argument that it is unethical and wrong. So if you have a perspective where you think this is unethical or wrong or you think that we didn't that there's there's an argument that you have against something we say, like, I think we're open to that. So Oh, definitely we're open to yeah, that. Yeah, send us a text or send us a message, and it can be a conversation of learning and understanding and um, seeing, because I believe that there's a common ground that we can find with anybody who um, maybe disagrees. I believe that there is something that we can learn from one yeah. another. So. And like our slogan says, we have no idea what we're doing, but we're doing it anyways. Yep, yep. So totally. Totally. We we speak from a place of experience and research yeah. and that sort of thing. However, we don't know everything. Right. So. Right. But if you are, you know, if you're someone who thrifts or someone who um, wants to get into like furniture upselling, up, up repurposing, things like that, um, you can also message us and ask us questions on how to do yeah. that. <laughs> well, let me know. Because because that's what we love to do. I would say almost 90% of our stuff is thrifted and, um, you know. 
gotten from online or garage sales or whatever. So um, it's something we love to do and something that I think we are, you know, growing in and understanding. And um, yeah, we have a lot of fun doing it. So yeah. For sure. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Coco and Joe show. I'm Josiah. I'm Chanel. Wait, and this oh. is... Oh, that's Kitty. So I'm Josiah. I'm Chanel. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Coco and Joe show where we have no idea what we're doing, but we're doing it anyways. Mm-hmm. We will see you guys on the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye.